0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 135. Today is Friday, April the 5th. And you guys may be wondering why we're recording on a Friday. I may not post this until Sunday, but regardless, it is Friday evening. Uh, That's because I'll be away this weekend and there's no UFC to cover. So we decided to do an episode to break down UFC 236. Before we get into that. Let me introduce my co-host all the way from the Garden State, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Friday afternoon, my friend?
1: Bill, the work week is done, and it's two days before WrestleMania. And much like the Royal Rumble winner, Bill, I'm going to be there. So I'm super <laughs> excited. It's in New Jersey this year. Um, I have a job fair tomorrow. Uh, I'm really excited to check out some other schools, see what they have to offer, see if I can make a little bit more money and stop dealing with these privileged white kids who are driving me up the wall, Bill.
0: Those goddamn privileged white kids always causing trouble. Um yeah, man, make that money so you can uh start buying some better whiskeys. And, oh, uh, absolutely. I don't it's even know what you more. I don't even know what you mean by the the Royal Rumble winner will be at WrestleMania. I don't know if I even want to know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get into that a little later. Maybe I'll allow some pro wrestling talk um, once once I get a little uh, loose off of this old Forester 100-proof rye that I bought, Jeff. I'm holding it up for the uh, viewers on YouTube here. Uh, by the way, if you guys ever want to catch a show live, just subscribe on YouTube and set your notifications and it'll let you know whenever we do these spontaneous live shows. I never edit anything anyway. So you're always going to get a live show basically, but you know, if you want the real experience, subscribe on YouTube. So uh, Jeff, I told you before we started recording, I wanted to do a live tasting of this old Forrester uh, rye whiskey. It was just like a random pickup. You can hear that bottle cracking right there. It's a beautiful sound. It's just a random pickup. You know, is that the liquor store? Uh, I was looking for something else and this just kind of caught my eye and and also the guy at the liquor store recommended it. Mm. So it was like a $23 bottle. So I was like for this price point and I'm already here, I've already gone this far. Uh, I don't want to leave empty handed. So here it is. Old Forester. I've had, uh, you know, some of their bourbons and stuff, never the rye. And from what it says on the bottle, the rye is an old recipe that kind of went away for a while when the current owners bought the distillery from the previous owners, and they brought it back. So this is like a throwback, perfect for uh, Flashback Friday. So let's give a little live sampling here.
1: Yeah, so Bill, already it's it looks like it's got a nice color. So right off the bat, what are you tasting?
0: It's very smooth for a 100 proof rye it's got some spice right up front little black pepper and it has a bit of an afterburn that hits you in the chest that's kind of nice but a little bit of sweetness the finish is almost like a maple kind of flavor let me get a second sip here yeah so usually with ryes they're really spicy up front and this one is a little bit more mellow on the spice, but it still has a little bit of kick to it on the palate. So it, it leaves a nice little burn on the tongue, a little burn in the chest. This would be really good in like a Manhattan. Uh, i would probably make a Manhattan out of this or some other cocktails or just on the rocks. I'm kind of enjoying it neat. So I'll continue to drink it that way for the rest of the show. Cause I don't have anything with me here in my studio to, make him Manhattan. So you guys are going to get me on straight whiskey this evening. So who knows what could happen? Anything could happen. Maybe the Royal Rumble winner will show up, whatever that means.
1: Uh- <laughs> well, Bill, before we even get into this, just to get the WrestleMania talk out of the way, I feel like. So the Royal Rumble winner is, was Seth Rollins and he's challenging Brock Lesnar for his, uh, belt in the WWE and Bill honestly I feel like this is going to have some ramifications for not just the WWE but for the UFC too because if Brock Lesnar loses that belt he has no um obligation to do his weekly uh appearances on WWE's programming so I I feel like that opens up this title fight with DC that DC has been clamoring for and it seems to have died down a little bit but I feel like if Wrestlemania goes the way I hope it goes. I feel like it shakes up the WWE because you have an active champion who can be there every day. And we also get Brock Lesnar versus DC. What do you think, Bill?
0: I think um, I don't give a shit what happens with the (laughs) WWE, but here's the move, Jeff. Brock Lesnar wins. Daniel Cormier is at WrestleMania, and he gets in the ring (laughs) and challenges Brock Lesnar there's your fucking promo and then (laughs) and then they fight for the ufc belt and the and the fake wwe belt there's the move that's that's what i say so maybe cormier shows up at at wrestlemania at least you know cut the promo there you got you got built-in marketing for the fight too i don't know like a co-promotion thing with the wwe i mean they're a marketing machine so yeah but um the the real answer is i don't really care what happens with the wwe i don't really even care to about the brock lesnar dc fight you know if it's booked and signed and it's like 2 weeks away um okay i guess we'll talk about it but until then i'll leave it to you uh, i'll leave i'll leave the wwe coverage to you so jeff you got a vacation coming up my friend
1: yeah in one week bill i will be I'll tell you what time it is. It's about 7.30. So probably by this time next Friday, Bill, I'll probably be with you. We'll probably be getting dinner or something. So, Bill, I'm super excited because I'll be there just in time for UFC 236, which is looking like a really awesome card. Just top to bottom, every fight looks amazing. But, dude, this main event, Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier, okay, I know it's not for the actual belt. It's for the interim belt, mm-hmm. but this is still a really, really good fight
0: oh yeah this is an excellent fight i am really excited for this main event there are so many x factors here so as a lot of people know probably people who listen to this show uh, not so much more casual fans this is a rematch from 2012 and these two guys are both completely different fighters from then to now Obviously, a lot of time has gone by and a lot of experience has taken place uh, over that span. So Max Holloway has had 18 fights in the UFC since losing to Dustin Poirier in 2012. Dustin Poirier has had 16 fights in the UFC, which is an incredible amount. I mean, they're both crazy active fighters. In that time, Max Holloway has accumulated a record of 16 and 2. Dustin Poirier has accumulated a record of 11, 4, and 1, no contest. That was the uh, Eddie Alvarez incident when Eddie Alvarez had that illegal knee. Currently, Max Holloway is a minus 200 favorite, which means you have to bet $200 to win $100 on Max Holloway. So he is currently the betting favorite, maybe because he has a better record, but it's kind of strange that a guy who has a submission loss to another guy and is moving up to his weight class is the, is the betting favorite. Now, granted, Max Holloway has had the better record since 2012, but in my opinion, Dustin Poirier has had uh, a greater strength of schedule. So this is a little bit closer to me than the odds makers are making it out to be. This is a total coin flip in my book. This could really go either way. It's going to depend on which fighter has evolved the most. And I got to tell you, Jeff, I'm not big on making picks. You know this. But I'm leaning a little bit more towards Poirier. He does have that mental advantage of having a submission win over Max Holloway. And he gave him a little brother beatdown in that first fight. Uh, He muscled a double leg on him, just picked him up and slammed him, uh, put him in a nasty arm bar, almost snapped his arm. Then Holloway rolled into a triangle. And then uh, Poirier rolled him over turned it into a mounted triangle and then started cranking Holloway's arm and almost snapped it again. So, you know, that sticks with a guy. If you have a a loss like that, uh, that's going to be in the back of his mind. Now, Max Holloway, you know, super mentally tough. And he was just a kid at that time. I think he was like 20 years old. So they've both gained a lot of experience since then. And I've said for the longest time, Jeff, that a calm and patient Dustin Poirier could possibly be the best lightweight fighter on the planet. Uh, you know, the only times we've seen him stumble is when he gets emotionally invested in fights and trash talk gets the better of him and he gets emotional and he fights emotional in the cage. That's the only time you see people getting the better of Dustin Poirier. Even in the Eddie Alvarez fight, when Eddie Alvarez made that comeback. Uh, it was because Poirier had gotten a little emotional in there and started brawling. But when he's patient and picking his shots, uh, Poirier is, in my opinion, the most dangerous lightweight out there. Um, so that's a whole lot of information I've just thrown at you, Jeff. Uh, I, I know you were kind of looking for like, how excited are you about this? And and I started rattling off all these statistics, but uh, did anything I say stick out? More than anything else,
1: Bill. I th- Oh man, it's such a tough call, man. Because, like you said, both of these fighters have evolved so much since that fight. I mean, you know, just life experience, experience in the cage. I mean, I oh, man, it's tough because I'm looking at Dustin Poirier's body of work here. In his last three fights, he's beaten Anthony Pettis with a with a body triangle, uh, a mm-hmm. submission. I think. uh Actually I think um there was a weird injury with that one if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um he's beaten Justin Gaethje by TKO and Eddie Alvarez by TKO. Um two guys who were you know at the top of this division. Justin Gaethje was was like the next big thing. Um so dude, um you know Dustin Poirier, he's no joke, dude. I mean his stand up is ridiculous. I think I think in the boxing department, Bill, I think Dustin Poirier has the advantage. Everywhere else, I'm not so sure. Um, Max Holloway himself has evolved. I mean, he's beaten Jose Aldo twice since that Dustin Poirier fight. I think that that cannot be overlooked ever. You know, very few people have even beaten um, Jose Aldo once. And, dude, I think Holloway, he doesn't have to cut those extra 10 pounds, dude. I think that's going to be a big factor. We saw a lot of issues with his health with that. Um, and as of right now, Max Holloway also has a win over Anthony Pettis. So I, I really, oh man, it's so hard to call Bill. Mm-hmm. I think that in the last couple of fights, the, how do I put this? They've both evolved, but I feel like Max Holloway has just evolved further. And Mm -hmm. in less time, I mean, like you said, max Holloway, the first time they fought, he was like 20, maybe 19, you know, he was still, you know, he wasn't even, he was still wet behind the ears in that cage. So yeah,
0: UFC debut.
1: Yeah. And I just feel like Holloway has, has gone, has evolved by leaps and bounds and Dustin Poirier has done the same, but I think Holloway has just evolved just a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I think that he's learned from, from that loss. Um, And I think that both of them have actually learned a lot from their losses to Conor McGregor. Um, Well, I don't want to bring him up. I feel like he's been a crucial point in both of the evolution of these guys. Um, So, yeah, Bill, it's so tough to call. But I I think that for me, I'm going to have to give the advantage only slightly to Max Holloway in this one.
0: It sounds like a shot bet in the making, Jeff.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot. I'm going to be there in person. We can make a shot, but yeah.
0: All right. So if Holloway wins, I'll take a shot of your choice. And if Poirier wins, you take a shot of my choice. So I like where this is going. I also like where you went with the common opponents. So if you look at just the common opponents, take their first fight out of the equation. I, I would also give a slight edge to Holloway. If you look at the performance against common opponents, so Conor McGregor finished Dustin Poirier with TKO first round, I believe Max Holloway went the distance with Conor McGregor. However, Conor McGregor had a torn ACL in that fight, and he was still able to get the unanimous decision over Max Holloway. Anthony Pettis, uh, it was a freak injury with Poirier, but he was able to finish Pettis. Max Holloway also finished Anthony Pettis, but he finished a sucked down Anthony Pettis, who wasn't able to make the weight at 145 pounds. And he just completely ran out of gas, which is why we're seeing him fight now at 170 pounds. The other common opponent, Jeff, Cub Swanson. So Cub Swanson actually defeated uh, Dustin Poirier by decision, and Max Holloway submitted Cub Swanson. So... Uh, that's the only one without much controversy. So with Pettis, it's like whose win was better. You know, Poirier beat him with an uh, injured rib, and Holloway beat him when he was sucked down from cutting weight. Conor McGregor, a lot of X factors there. So Cub Swanson is the one common opponent uh, where you have a clear advantage for one guy, and that's Max Holloway. He finished a guy who beat Dustin Poirier. Now, as we know, MMA math means Absolutely nothing. But it is something to consider. You know, it does play into the psychology a little bit. Like, oh, he finished a guy that beat me. Uh, So you never know, you know, what kinds of things affect these guys. Like I said, there are so many X factors in this fight, which is what makes it such an awesome main event. Now, you brought up the fact that it is an interim championship. Uh, To me, I I don't care. This is a great fight. The interim championships are to sell tickets to people who don't really follow the sport closely. That's all they are. It's a trophy to give to one guy to draw in the average person that's only watching every other pay-per-view or every third pay-per-view or whatever it is they're watching. That's why you put these titles in there. I don't want to say they're meaningless, but they're meaningless. In fact, the the winner of this fight is probably going to fight somebody else if they come out of it healthy, they're probably going to fight somebody else before Khabib comes back, mm. which I believe he's coming back in September. So, you know, the winner of this may end up fighting uh, Tony Ferguson if Tony Ferguson is able to get healthy, or they may end up fighting Justin Gaethje. Uh, it dep- It really depends on who wins and how it plays out. You know, if one of the, if it's like an all out war and it's a close decision, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a, a trilogy. Or if one guy wins but gets injured, maybe he will hold out for that Khabib fight. But I do have – you also have the the um, ally Aquinta and Cowboy Cerrone. So maybe get the winner of that fights the winner of this, uh, to keep the division a little bit busy before Khabib does make his return. And then, you know, Khabib is such a wild card he may get hurt and he or he you know may decide he doesn't want to come back until next year or, or whatever the case um and, and with with all the drama going on with him you know he may get himself into more trouble with the commissions the way he's going back and forth with Carmen Gregor. and i i'm just mentioning that uh you know for the sake of this conversation i don't want to get into that stuff because uh you know we don't talk about that drama here but um Yeah, man, it's a coin flip. It's a total coin flip for me. This fight is so close. I I really don't see how Max Holloway is a minus 200 favorite. That seems a little extreme to me. Um, But if you told me an argument for why Holloway is going to win, you could probably convince me. If you told me an argument for why Poirier is going to win, you could probably convince me. The only way to find out is by tuning in. And, you know, you're going to be live here to do that jeff i don't think we're going to do any kind of fight companion or anything like that just cuz it gets too it gets too messy and you know noise and all that stuff but april 13th man we're going to find out who who the better man is once and for all so a- any other thoughts on this main event jeff before we move on to the rest of the card
1: yeah just one quick thing i don't think that this is going to end in a finish unless it's like some freak injury, I think this is going to be an all-out war, Bill. And I just, I'm just, i curious to see how, how the first round goes. Are they going to respect each other? Is Dustin Poirier going to throw that to the wind and say, listen, I beat you once, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to just go in here and pe- pick you apart. Mm-hmm. So I think yep. that first round, just to set the pace of the fight, I think is going to be very, very important.
0: Yeah, I will say that if Dustin Poirier does decide to get in there and brawl with Max Holloway, Uh, it's going to favor Max Holloway. Mm -hmm. And uh, one other thing to consider, Max Holloway is actually the bigger fighter here. Now, he is the featherweight champion moving up to Dustin Poirier's weight class, but he's got a a couple of inches in height on Poirier and a couple of inches in reach. Now, does that really make a difference? Uh, Not really, since Poirier has obviously beaten Holloway before. But... Uh, here's another X factor for you, and that's Max Holloway making weight. Yep. Uh, he does struggle a lot to make 145. Now, don't think that automatically, because he's moving up to 155, that that's going to be an easy cut for him. He still is really big, even for a lightweight. Um, and he's grown into his body a little bit more. He's getting closer and closer to 30 years old. Uh, you know, we're the inner muscles start to fill out a little bit more. The old man strength starts to come in, which means you're weighed down a little bit more. And, you know, he may have overestimated how much weight he could put on to make this cut to lightweight. You know, we we've seen him stumble in the past and, and have some really scary weight cuts. So, um, don't assume that Max Holloway is going to make this cut easily just because he's moving up in weight class. That is, that is an X factor to, uh, to keep in mind, and we're going to find that out in a week's time. Let's move on to the co-main event, which I haven't even put all that much thought into because I've been obsessing over this main event, obviously. you know I, I had a lot more to say about it than, than I usually do about a main event. But co-main event, another interim title match, I believe, Kelvin Gastelum and Israel Adesanya are going to figure out this middleweight division while uh, Robert Whitaker figures out how to recover from his herniated disc that he suffered right before the matchup he was supposed to have with Calvin Gaslam, So, uh, two very different styles here. You know, you got Gastelum who's the short stocky boxer wrestler against the long creative striking of Israel Adesanya. Um, on paper, if you only look at records and, and styles and things like that Adesanya should win this one handily but the one thing we know about Kelvin Gastelum is he's good at winning fights and he's good at winning fights that he's not supposed to win and he's good at playing the spoiler so could he play the spoiler for this undefeated kickboxing phenom who just beat Anderson Silva in a in a very wild fight Man, I don't fucking know. This one's a coin flip to me, too. Um, You know, if if I were taking skill set against skill set, I would be picking out a Sonya, but there's so much more that goes into it, and I feel like you can never bet against Calvin Gastelum. Give me your thoughts on this co-main event, Jeff.
1: Bill, I used to bet against Calvin Gastelum up until the season finale of the Ultimate Fighter season that he was on. It was, I believe, um, Team Jones versus Team Chael Sonnen back when they were going to fight, um, for Jones's light heavyweight championship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Listen, Kelvin Gastelum is well-rounded. He's tough. I mean, he, he picked apart a fighter. He was not supposed to be, you know, um, I forgot his name already. Um, Uriah Hall. Yeah, yeah, Uriah Hall, um, I knew it was a first and a last name. I just couldn't remember what it was.
0: <laughs> it's always a first and a last name. <laughs> so, uh,
1: so dude Uriah Hall that season he's tearing through everybody. He gets probably one of the best knockouts and scariest knockouts of the Ultimate Fighter ever. You know, and mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that, go go watch his spinning back kick where I thought he killed a dude.
0: Not just the Ultimate Fighter, one of the scariest finishes ever. Yeah, that's yeah. a that was a fucking nasty spinning wheel kick
1: to the face. Yeah, and I remember this one point, I forgot who it was against. It might have been against Kelvin Gashlam, but Uriah Hall was mounted and he punched his way out from the bottom where he couldn't produce any power from his hips, and he had enough power in his hands to punch his way back to top position. Bill, for Kelvin Gashlum to beat a guy like that, and he had the same disadvantages. Um, everybody thought Uriah Hall would be the better striker. Uriah Hall was taller. Um, and Kelvin Gashlem went in there, you know, was able to get inside um, the, the hand guard of Uriah Hall, was able to throw him around. I mm-hmm. think that if that Kelvin Gashalem shows up against Israel Adesanya, I think we have a new interim middleweight champion. But on the reverse side of the coin, if the one, if, if the Kelvin Gashlem who's too relaxed and too laid back and, and too lethargic shows up, he's going to get knocked out. You know, we saw this happen against Chris Weidman where he was happy to have Weidman just be on top of him. Why? I have no idea. But um, Weidman tapped him out. So if Kelvin Gastelum comes in there focused and he mixes it up, I think Israel Adesanya is going to be in for a really long night. I mean, Adesanya has proven that he's improved his uh, his wrestling defense. But I think Kelvin Gastelum, I think his wrestling can can really win him the fight here.
0: Yeah. That may be the difference. And the other thing Kelvin Gastelum can do is, is put anybody out with one strike. You know, he, he can mix things up and get you thinking about the wrestling and then come over the top with that overhand, right. Uh, you know, the classic wrestler move. Uh, and it, it could be a quick night for Adesanya. Um, I, I do see it more. I, I can't pick a winner in this one, but I see it more likely, that Gastelum finishes Adasanya, then Adesanya finishes Gastelum. Um, that that's my only prediction. I think if Adasanya wins, it will be by outpointing Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, you know he he does keep it uh, a pretty tight defense. He's he's tough to finish. Um, so. That's my prediction there. Let's move on down to what I believe is a middleweight fight in Eric Anders and Khalil Roundtree. So Khalil Roundtree coming off that nasty knockout by the hands of Mr. Johnny Walker. And I think that may have caused him to move down to 185 pounds unless Eric Anders has moved back to 205, uh, which I don't believe he has. So I I think, and I'm only speculating here that this fight is at middleweight which would be Khalil Roundtree's middleweight debut. Um, Coming off a big knockout and then moving down a weight class 20 pounds doesn't seem like the best idea to me. Um, You know, because it wasn't even that long ago that he suffered that knockout from Johnny Walker, and it was pretty nasty. So to then uh, draw yourself down from 205 pounds to 185 pounds if if that is what's going on here um uh, against a tough guy like eric anders uh it seems unwise um but if these two guys don't have any problems cutting weight uh, these are two really big 185 pounders getting in there to slug it out and this should be a really exciting fight give me your thoughts jeff
1: yeah, Bill, this is going to be a good one, man. Khalil Roundtree, he can mix it up really well. Really good wrestler. His striking has improved over his last couple of fights, but dude, Eric Andrews, no slouch either. Eric Andrews, so much power in his hands. And I know he's he's got two straight losses, Bill. He lost to Thiago Santos, but Bill, I mean, the power that that man has in his hands is incomparable. I think. Yeah. I think in the light heavyweight division. I think he's up there with Rumble Johnson as one of the hardest hitters we've ever seen in this light heavyweight division. Um, uh, probably along with um, Human g- Growth Hormone, um, Vitor Belfort. And um, <laughs> you know, last loss was last fight was a loss to Elias Theodoru. That was another war. So, dude, Eric Anders very tough, very durable. So this, oh man, I feel like if Eric Anders gets in there you know starts throwing haymakers it could be a quick night for khalil roundtree but i think that eric andrews if it goes to a decision i think eric andrews can can um do really well there as well like i said he's durable so this is going to be a very tough fight for khalil roundtree especially coming off that brutal knockout so um i'm looking at it on um, wikipedia Looking at the fight card, um, I don't know if this is going to be a light heavyweight bout or a middleweight bout. It says light heavyweight on here, but it could be wrong. It could be middleweight. But either way, man, I think Khalil Roundtree is going to have a really, really tough night.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's possible that Eric Anders has moved back up to 205. Um, I guess it, it's possible. Uh, you know, he's coming off of two straight losses at 185. So maybe he felt like the weight cut wasn't worth it. Um, he did have that close split decision lost to Elias Theodoro. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So that, that should be a fun fight either way. Um, you know, there's a lot of variables there and I guess we'll find out when they weigh in what weight classes is going to be. Yeah. Alan Joban, <clears throat> you know, your Calvin Klein model or, or whatever he was coming, coming back to fight, uh, Dwight Grant, uh, this should be an interesting fight. So Dwight Grant only, uh, only his third fight in the UFC. And, uh, you know, he looked good in his last fight against Carl Petasoli. Uh, he knocked him out, uh, right at the end of the first round. He's another, uh, contender series guy. So he made a, a big impression there. Uh, still, still young in his career. Uh only eleven fights altogether, but not overall young. He's thirty-four years old. Uh any thoughts on this one, Jeff?
1: Yeah, dude. I remember that fight against Better Soli. That was a war, dude. All three rounds, that was a war for Dwight Grant. But Alan Joban, no slouch either, knocking out um ben saunders in his last fight pretty quickly um and you know alan joban he might have been an underwear model before bill but he can throw hands dude um i feel like this is going to be a really good stand-up fight um i think that if it turns into a brawl i think it's more for dwight grant but i think if alan joban can be smart and make it a technical fight i think he's got this one
0: yeah and that is what he's good at and what he's able to do to people so that should be a fun one. Another really fun fight that's going to fly under the radar for a lot of people, Ovin St. Prue and Nikita Krylov. So Krylov coming off a loss, I believe, to uh Yeah, he's coming off that submission loss to Jan Blachowicz, But before that, he was on a four-fight winning streak. Ovin St. Prue, always hot and cold. <laughs> um, so, you know, submission expert in Krylov getting submitted in his last fight who knows how that's gonna play a factor here and um you know Owen saint prue coming off a loss to dominic reyes but you know Owen saint prue is very unorthodox so you know can the traditional style grappling of nikita krylov compete with the unusual grappling and striking of oven saint prue i think this is an interesting fight if you get A prime Ovin St. Preux in here, he's one of the most dangerous guys on the roster. But like I said, very hot and cold. Give me your thoughts, Jeff.
1: Yeah, but I think you hit the nail on the head there. OSP, when he's there and he's hot, man, he's one of the most dangerous guys in this light heavyweight division. He can knock people out. He can submit people um, especially with that Von Fluchoke, which people are renaming the Bru, Brew, uh, which I love, man. That move is pretty cool. I think OSB is great with it. And Nikita Krylov, he's good everywhere too, man. Um, a really good grappler, solid striking. So I'm really excited for this one, Bill. And like you said, I feel like this is the dark horse of this fight card. I think this is going to be a really, really good fight. And I think a lot of people, maybe they've overlooked it, but I don't think that's anybody's fault because this, like we said, man, this fight card is stacked from top to bottom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, maybe we combine the the names and we call it the Von Prue choke.
1: <laughs> I like that. That actually sounds cool. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: I think Jason Von Flew, uh did invent that choke, uh, but um, Ovin Saint Prue has hit it more times in the UFC. So. You know, maybe credit both of them. I don't think a lot of people remember Jason Von Flew. He was kind of a, a flash in the pan on one of the early, early, early seasons of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, but, yeah, shoulder pressure choke that is used when people hang on to a guillotine too long. <clears throat> All right, Jeff, I want to move down to lightweight division. And uh, this is a big fight. Uh, in terms of MMA on the rocks because I had one of the contestants on the show last week, Matt Steamroller Frivola who is going to take on Jalen the Tarantula Turner. These are both UFC uh, Tuesday Night Contender Series fighters. This is an awesome matchup. I have an obvious bias here having spent time with Matt Frivola and seeing him training and interviewing him but I want to be as objective as possible. Jalen Turner Brings a lot of striking power. He brings a lot of length to this lightweight division at six foot three. However, he did start his UFC career as a welterweight. And he had to move down after getting knocked out by Vicente Luque. Six foot three is a big frame to bring down 255 pounds. And Matt Frivola is a grinder. We saw from his last fight with Lando Venata, he can go the distance. He can stand and bang for 15 minutes straight. Now, if Jalen Turner is not able to finish this quickly with a big strike with some using his length and, and keeping Matt Frivola at bay and put him away quickly, it's going to be a long night for Jalen Turner because that weight cut, he's not too used to it. He's only done it one other time. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a big factor, six foot three and 155 pounds. That is mind boggling, you know, and we just saw Luis Pena a couple of weeks ago. I I believe he's six foot three as well. Try to go down to 145 pounds and he wasn't able to come close. Uh, so you gotta wonder if it, if it's a good decision, but you know, both of these guys had impressive performances on the contender series both of them had finishes that impressed Dana white enough to give them contracts. They both stumbled in their UFC debuts with knockout losses um <clears throat> so a lot of commonality here and it, it's just a really interesting stylistic matchup. give me your thoughts Jeff
1: Yeah dude I'm really excited for this one um like you said, Matt frivola, friend of the show so I, I you know as, uh, as someone who listened to the interview and as your co-host Bill, I have a little bit of a bias toward, bias toward Matt frivola. And, I mean, another part of that bias is that fight he put on with Lando Venata. I mean, that was fight of the year material. Um, and so we know he's tough. We know he's durable. Like you said, he can throw hands for three rounds if he needs to. So this is going to be a long night for Jalen Turner. Um, and best of luck to Matt Fravola. Hopefully, maybe we could get him on the show after this one and see how he feels about it.
0: Yeah, we got to, yeah we got to do a breakdown with him. We we did talk on the interview about uh, doing a little bit of bourbon the next time we do an episode. If you guys missed that one, it was episode 133. It didn't come out on the regularly scheduled uh, Sunday podcast. So it's possible that you have that one sitting in your queue. Give it a listen before this UFC 236 card. Uh, He really gave a great interview, a lot of insight into his camp and how he's feeling and everything like that. All right, um, let's see. What else is sticking out here? I'm going to jump around a little bit. This is a good one for me, Jeff. Bilal Muhammad and Curtis Millinder. Uh I, I think this is an excellent matchup. You know, Millinder, really excellent Muay Thai striker. Uh, you know, stands up real tall. That's going to be a problem against a grappler like Bilal Muhammad uh, who's going to be looking to put him on his back. And you know both of these guys are, you know, have been through some, been through some big wars, uh, and Bilal Muhammad also likes to strike. You know, he likes to get in there and brawl. So <clears throat> let, let's see if that brawling, grinding style can can uh, hold up to the technique of Curtis Miller, who is a very technical Muay Thai striker. Um, do you have an opinion on this one, Jeff, or is there another fight that's piquing your interest more? What do you think
1: here? Bill, this fight looks really exciting to me. Bilal Muhammad, he's a tough dude. He's not afraid to get in there and bang with anybody. Um, so I, I it'll be fun seeing the brawler versus technical striker style here. But Bill, to me, the fight that's standing out in the prelims, um, other than that and the frivola fight is Max Griffin versus Zalim and Dave, I might be saying that wrong,
0: uh-huh. but,
1: uh, dude, Max Griffin. I, I don't remember his last fight, but I remember bits and pieces of it. I just remember being really excited for his fight. I think it was, uh, oh, let me just double check here. Um, it was a loss to Thiago Alves, but he put on a war in that fight, man. And that wasn't too long ago. That was actually in February. So. A really tough dude. I'd really like to see him uh, get a win under his belt here. Um, He's beaten Mike Perry before, actually. He decisioned Mike Perry, and I thought he fought that fight really smart. So Uh I'd like to see him get another win here because if he doesn't, it'll be three straight losses for him, and then I think the UFC might have to renegotiate his contract a little bit here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up this fight, Jeb Salim Imadev. Uh, making his UFC debut against Max Griffin. Now, he's Russian. He's from Moscow. Has fought in Dagestan. So you would think he's a phenomenal wrestler, but he is eight no with eight knockouts. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy
1: shit. Okay.
0: So Max Griffin, really good at at using timing, distance, and straight punches right down the pipe and outpointing guys, but Zaleem obviously is a killer and he's looking to go in there and take guys heads off. Now someone who Max Griffin has been in there with that has a similar style is Mike Perry. And Max Griffin was able to use his footwork, his timing, his movement to neutralize that, that, uh, head hunting style of Mike Perry. So will he be able to do that against Imadev, or will Imedev be able to, you know, break through that, and, uh, you know, find the button of Max Griffin. Uh, so very interesting fight. Uh, a Russian who, who prefers to strike over wrestling, uh, is a scary thing because he probably has wrestling in his back pocket. You, you know, you come, come out of Russia, you wrestled at some point. So that's a fun fight. Uh, another one we got on here, another, uh, contender series guy, Montel Jackson taking on Andre Sukumtad. Uh, this is probably another one that's gonna fly under the radar. So uh Montel Jackson only one loss on his record, and that was his UFC debut against Ricky Simone. So nothing to hang your head about there, because Ricky Simone is a fucking beast. Uh this is a big step up in competition against Andre Sukumtad, who has been there, done that, tons of cage experience. Uh so this is a, a, a young lion getting in there against the veteran in Sukum dot. So I think this should be a really fun fight. Uh, <clears throat> you know, Andre Sukum um, you know, not so good with the younger fighters got a lot to Sean O'Malley. So another contender series guy there. So I, I think this should be a fun one. Montel Jackson, Andre Sukum Then we got, um, uh, Poliana Botello and Lauren Muller. That should be a a, a fun one. Um, let's see. I'm trying to pick you out here. That's, that's all that's really sticking out to me. Jeff, you, you got anything else on this card or what?
1: Uh, for the undercard, I don't know too many of these fighters. Um, so I, I mean, Wilson Hayes is on here, but he's a flyweight and he struggles to make that weight. I mean, he's a big boy. <laughs> Uh, and plus, I don't think that division will last too much longer.
0: Mm, yeah, so that may that may be the fight to uh, go grab a beer or something. But he is fighting uh, Alexander Pantoja, who uh, you know is is pretty exciting, very high level grappling as well. So this could be a battle of black belts here, um, <clears throat> and maybe that one's taking place at one thirty five. Maybe these guys both decided to to move up. They're both. Uh, they're both pretty big for that flyweight division. So, uh, let's hope for that, I guess. Uh, I think that's it, man, but I'm really fucking excited for this card. I'm excited that you're coming down to be here for it so we can watch it live. Um, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a long time since we watched the card together, Jeff. I don't I think the last time you were here, it was, um, fight night or something. I don't remember.
1: Yeah, I think it was uh was that Michelle Watterson? I remember yeah, I remember Michelle Watterson beat Paige Van Zant that night, but I can't remember what the main event was for some reason.
0: <clears throat> well, I'm sure somebody will point it out to us on uh, social media. And uh, <clears throat> I've been slowly sipping away at this old Forester rye, which I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying. I may have changed my mind about making Manhattans with it. Cause I'm kind of enjoying it straight. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's going to be a lot more drinks to be had next week. Uh, what we usually do is Jeff will pick out a bottle and we'll go get a bottle for the week. Uh, so if anybody has any recommendations that you think we should try, if you've been listening to this show for a long time, you you kind of gotten a, a feeling for, what we're into last time he was down here we did a bottle of lagavulin scotch uh so we'll probably stick with that you know smoky peaty vibe and get something along those lines but if you have any recommendations let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there jeff you got anything else you want to get off your chest my friend
1: uh yeah i just got a, a beer for you so um this is a local beer uh it's brewed right here in New Jersey. I, I forget what town exactly, but it's um it's called uh Redfish. Um let me just look up the brewery that makes it really quick. But um I had it last Saturday. Uh so this is by the Flying Fish Brewing Company, right okay. here out of Jersey. Um it's called Redfish, uh, and I just enjoyed it, man. It's, it was really hoppy. It had a little bit of citrus at the back end, which you know I like citrus to balance out uh, some of those hops, which can mm-hmm. be really bitter sometimes. <laughs> um, this was a red IPA, and I just, I enjoyed it. It was, um, I was with friends last night, I saw that they had this on tap, I saw that it was local, and I was like, screw it, let's give it a try. Um, but definitely very good it reminded me of actually reminded me a little bit of dogfish head okay um the way Flying
0: fish good. dogfish
1: yeah yeah so i mean not only the name but the flavor as well um uh, mm. so just really good stuff bill um but i'm excited to check out some new breweries that you've checked out bill and see what they got to offer us next week
0: oh yeah we're gonna have to go on the full tour um i gotta i got a ton of ton of good breweries on the docket uh for when you're in town so we're definitely going to do that. We'll, we'll uh, get some jujitsu in so we can burn some calories and then uh, <laughs> we'll go hit those breweries that, that beer you just described sound really good. A red IPA with citrus. That sounds really different. And uh, I'm definitely going to be interested to try that one when I make my way back up North, whenever that may be, I'm not sure when the next time is maybe sometime in the fall. All right, Jeff, uh, anything else before we uh, call it a wrap here?
1: Um, I mean, Bill, we got some good things on the horizon. I mean, WrestleMania is on Sunday, got a job fair tomorrow, and then I'm taking off work next Friday to go fly out and see you. So we got to enjoy the good times.
0: I'm looking forward to it. My friend can't wait to, uh, raise a glass in person. So we don't have to do this over the microphone. We're gonna have some good times and some good drinks. And we're going to have an awesome time watching UFC 236 from the state farm arena in Atlanta, Georgia. If you guys want to get a hold of us on social media, you can reach Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. I've been doing the Instagram story a lot more. So uh, go check those out. Go to MMA on the rocks.com. I've been posting articles on a weekly basis. So go check those out and reach out to me on social media. Disagree with me. Uh, you know, we always love a good debate. We love a good conversation. I've been getting a lot of people disagreeing with me lately, and I love it. So keep it coming. Let us know what you're thinking and drinking out there. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.